We're starting a new series today called The Church on Mission. And we'll start this series at what I believe is the foundation for the mission, which is the glory of God. Glory is a word we see a lot in the scriptures, but do we really know what God's glory means for our own personal lives and how through God's glory, He can use you and me to be the church on mission? We'll take a deep dive at this today, so I hope you're ready to go. So good to be with you this morning, and I love our choir and orchestra. We got the best around, I'm telling you, they are so good, amen? Wow, love it. They've been working hard all this weekend, and uh, I'm so thankful for their work. And uh, I'm also thankful for our pastor and Martha, uh, and that they get a a season away just this month, and um, thankful for a pastor that leads us in not just what we wanna hear, or just his own truth, but we have a pastor that leads us into the truth of God's word. And he's led us to be a church on mission, and that's our series uh, for the next several weeks. And I wanna remind us about the church. Um, The church is not a building. I don't know if you remember this, if you grew up in church, um, or maybe a Baptist church, but we had this thing that we used to do. Do you remember this? You'd put your hands together like this, and we'd say, here's the church, Here's what Steve will do with me. <laughs> Open the doors, and there's all the people, right? You remember that? That's bad theology, really bad, right? This is not the church. This is the building we meet in, right? This is the church house, or we, whatever we want to call it. There's the steeple, right? Open the doors, and here's the church people, right? And so as we think about a church on mission, we're not talking about this organization. We're not talking about this building we're talking about believers. How can you and I be on mission for the Lord? And so I really wanted to start us out in our series on this foundational truth, that the foundation of the church on mission is this. It's the glory of God. It's the glory of God. So we're gonna be talking a lot about the glory of God. And, and how do we know that the glory of God is the foundation for the mission of the church? Well. Number one, have you seen him? Have you experienced our God? He is glorious. He is amazing. He's awesome. There is no one like our God. Have you seen him and experienced him? He is worthy of all of our praise, all of our affection. And Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah has this encounter with God. And in that moment, you remember how it says in scripture, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on his throne. He was high and exalted and the train of his robe filled the temple. And you remember after that, there were these angels that were going back and forth and they were calling to one another and they were saying something. They said this, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The whole earth is filled with his glory. See, our God is is about his own glory. And you remember Isaiah's response in that moment. I don't think he was standing up anymore. He's probably on his face before the Lord. And he says, woe to me, for I am ruined. I'm undone, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king. It's glorious in that moment. Isaiah experienced the glory of God like no other, and I kind of feel a little bit like him when I think about the glory of God. Have you seen God? Have you experienced him? 
But secondly, we, we see that this is a foundational truth because we all throughout the Bible, we see in the scriptures that God is all about his glory. God is all about his glory from Genesis to Revelation and even Deuteronomy chapter five, it says this, behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and greatness. He's shown it to us. The Psalms over and over again say how great our God is. You know, it says, who is the king of glory? The Lord Almighty says, ascribe to him the glory, do his name. In scripture, we see it, uh, this word uh, in Hebrew is the word kabod. That doesn't matter to us to even really know that, but it's that word glory, that word kabod in the Hebrew is used 143 times. In the New Testament, the Greek word doxa is the word we use for glory. It's 152 times in the New Testament. Glory is used as a noun a lot of times as the presence of God. A lot of times it's used as a verb to describe the beauty of God. We see over and over in the scripture how glory, when glory happens, there's a light, there's a brightness, there's a radiance associated with it. And we also see that when glory happens, there's a weightiness, heaviness. It's important. Glory, are you with me? Are we together on glory? God is all about his glory. And then we even see God's glory and his presence leading the people of Israel. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open up because I don't think we have this on the screen. In Exodus, Exodus chapter 40. So if you've got your device, maybe your phone or you got a Bible, I'd love for you to open it up so you can see this with me. Exodus 40. If not, look at me and follow along really well, right? Because <laughs> otherwise you'll get, you'll get lost. Exodus 40, you can turn there. We're gonna look at verse 34. Through 38, Exodus 40. I love to hear the Bible's pages turning. If you're like me, you're using your phone right now, that's okay. Exodus 40, starting verse 34, it says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Do you get the picture here? Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whether, whenever the cloud lifted uh, from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it had lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during all the travels. So the people, check this out, the people were being led by God's presence and it was God's glory and it was seen, they could see it. This cloud that would come down and envelop the tabernacle. And they were being led by God's glory. Remember how Moses on Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 33, you can turn a few pages back. In verse 18, you know what he said? He said, please, God, show me your glory. And God and Moses had this conversation like, I can't show you my glory, you're gonna die. He said, but you know what we'll do? I'm gonna put you in the cleft of the rock and I'm gonna pass by and you're gonna to get to see the backside of glory. That's just what happened. God and Moses have this experience there. And this is what happens next. If you're in the Bible still, turn back over to 34, Exodus 34, verse 29. I want you to see what happens after Moses spends time with God. Exodus 34, verse 29, it says this. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with two tablets of the covenant law in his hands. What are those? That's the 10 commandments, right? He was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. 
When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out, he told the Israelites what he had been commanded. They saw his face, that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. So first off, I want you to just notice in this text here, Moses is not aware that his face is shining. That's kind of crazy. Like everybody else is obviously aware of this and they're looking at him like, Moses, your face is like so bright, bro. What is going on here? And this tells me, it shows me how glorious God is. Moses has this encounter with God and he is so radiant, so glorious that the glory gets reflected on Moses' face. It's pretty incredible. I mean, it's just, he's seeing the backside of glory. And he's, this is what's happening. It's so much so that the people are afraid and they say, hey, put a veil over your face. It's too bright. Kind of reminds me of my kids in the morning. I don't do this all the time, but if they're not getting up, I go in and I flip the lights on and they put a veil over their face. It's called the covers. And they say, dad, it's too bright. Turn the light off. I'll get up, I promise. It's kind of what I think about here. Yet this glory was not to stay, it was transitory. It was moving on, it wouldn't last. Because why? Because it was based on the law. Moses had already smashed the first 10 commandments. You remember he comes down off the mountain, the people are worshiping the golden calf, he smashed those. Now he's gone back up and now he's coming down with the tablets of the law and again, although they were glorious, wonderful, it wouldn't last, this glory wouldn't last. It wouldn't even compare to the glory that was to come. I want you to see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It's going to be on their screen as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we'll look at verse 7. Listen to this. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, there's the Ten Commandments, that came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which last? Do you see the comparing and the contrasting here? There's this glory that, that the Old Testament, that the law had, but it was a fading one. It was transitory. It couldn't last because it couldn't complete us. Had no power. Moses represented the law, and through the law, there, was, there became this veil that they, they put up because they like, I can't, I can't deal with the, the greatness, the gloriousness of this here. So there's this veil that happens. Kind of reminds me of another veil that got put up. Because in the tabernacle, in the temple, there was this veil. You remember that? The curtain. It couldn't get to it. it. Couldn't get to the glory of God. I want you to see what happens next. Look at verse 12. So therefore, since we have such a hope, this ministry, right, we are very bold. We are not like Moses. He's talking to us. Who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away? But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. 
It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It's incredible, church. You see, the glory of God is accessible to the church on mission. We have access to the glory of God. And if you're a Christian in the room, you have an unveiled face to be able to see the glory of God. For the people of Israel, only one person was able to do that. Who was it? It was Moses. At that time, he could go in and experience God's glory so much so that his face is shining. Later on, there was a guy named the high priest. And one time a year, one day of the year, on the day of atonement, he could go beyond the the curtain beyond the veil to the Holy of Holies where God's glory was. And he could experience the glory of God and, 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 and atone for the people's sin one day a year. But for us, church, we have access. The veil has been removed. We don't have the curtain separating us. You don't have to go through anyone else. You have full and complete access to God's glory because Jesus opened it up by the way of his death and resurrection. In Matthew chapter 27, we see in that passage of scripture where the veil was torn, the curtain was torn from top to bottom, opening the way for us to get to God. Our pastor used this scripture in Hebrews chapter four just a couple weeks ago. He said, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace for our time of need. Like we have this access. We go directly to the throne and we get to be in the presence of God. God's glory is available and accessible for us. But it's not just that. Look at verse one of chapter four. Look back at your text. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, you remember him talking about ministry? It's the ministry of righteousness that's glorious. He says, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That's a mouthful. So Paul here talking to the church at Corinth says, look, we got this ministry of righteousness to let everyone know about the glorious gospel of Jesus. And he says, here's what we're not gonna do. We're not gonna distort it. We're not gonna deceive. We're gonna speak the truth plainly. It's what our aim, our goal is to do. But did you notice what he says? If our gospel is veiled, he said, look, the, really the gospel's not veiled. Like there's no separation for us. The gospel is open for all. He says, but if the gospel is veiled, it's veiled because of who? 
The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light, the glory. Do you see that? We have an enemy, the God of this age, that's trying to blind eyes so that you can't see the glory of God, the light of the gospel. And it's there for everyone to receive. And the, who is the light of the gospel? Did you see what it said there? It is displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. It's Jesus. The light of the gospel is seen in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1 verse 3 said it this way, the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. That's who Jesus is. He is the radiance of God's glory. And so the second foundation to being a church on mission is to know that the glory of God is manifested in Jesus Christ. Church, if we want to know what the glory of God looks like, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. He is who the radiance of God's glory looks like. John 17, you know what Jesus said? As he prays to the Father before he goes to the cross, he says this, I have brought you glory on the earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Wow. Jesus is making a huge statement here. He's saying, God, I've finished the work that you told me to do, so now glorify me as we shared this glory together in heaven before I left. It's amazing. If we want to know what the radiance of God's glory looks like, look at Jesus. It's displayed in him. So then if the glory belongs to Jesus, what's our role? What are, we, what are we to do? Look at verse five. Let's look back at the text. It's on your screen. It says this, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. When did he say that? Genesis 1. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Did you catch what your job is? Your job is to preach as a servant the gospel of Jesus. Yeah, it's your job to preach. You're like, no, that's your job, Josh and Pastor Wayland. No, it's your job to preach Jesus, to preach as a servant of the gospel of Christ. Every one of us. Because see, did you notice this? That God, by the way, who created light, <laughs> he said, let there be light, and it's, he spoke it. Did you see that? Let light shine out of darkness, and he made his light shine in our hearts. Why? So that we could see his glory. So that we could know that Jesus is the glory of God, that he displays it. And third is that we would get to proclaim that glory. See, the, the glory of God illuminates the church on mission because God shines his light in our hearts. He illuminates us so that we can illuminate to the world. God is shining his light on us through the faith of, face of Jesus for a purpose. Think about this with me. Every time angels showed up in the Bible, every time they, they were on the scene, you remember what happened? People, number one, got really afraid. And every time, almost every time you look at it, there's this like glory of the Lord showing around them. You've heard that statement before, right? 
Sounds like radiance. It sounds like light, doesn't it? In Matthew chapter 17, when Jesus was transfigured um, up on the mountain, he says, says this, there, was a, there he was transfigured before them, his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. It's the glory of God represented in Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. His face is like the sun. His clothes are as white as light. Jesus even prays for us in John chapter 17. This is what he says. I have given them, believers, the glory you gave me that they may be one as we are one. Church, listen to me. When we as individuals and when we collectively as the church understand the glory that we share together, we should look more and more bright for the glory of God because he's shining his light on us for us to be able to shine our light to the world for the glory of God. Matthew chapter five, we know this passage of scripture. You've heard it before. Matthew five says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. So everything that we're doing, church, to be a church on mission should be to put the glory where it belongs, right? Let our light shine before others so that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. But you know what? There's someone else that wants to be light. This is so interesting. Someone else wants to be light. Do you remember who it was? It's the enemy, Satan. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 says that he disguises himself as an angel of light. Remember there was this, I, I wanna be God. I wanna be, I wanna, I wanna take the glory. And Satan was cast down. But what he does now, he disguises himself as an angel of light. You know why he does that? I think it's about glory. I think he's looking at you and me and he's trying to deceive you He's trying to tempt you to say, hey, there's all these other places of glory. You could get some of this. You can have some of this glory for yourself. This is for you. How about this? And that looks a, a million different ways in our lives, these things of glory. You know, in a comedy movie, Nacho Libre, maybe some of you have seen this movie before. Our family kind of just likes it. Oh, Nacho Libre. He's a, he's a monk. In a, in, a, in a Mexican um, orphanage um, and monastery, and it's, it's Jack Black. And in this movie, he really wants to be a wrestler, a luchador. Although he's a monk, he wants to be a wrestler. I know it's strange. He wants to be the luchador. And he has this conversation about wanting to be a great wrestler with his friend. It's one of my favorite lines in the movie because he says this to his friend. He says, don't you want a little taste of the glory? See what it tastes like. And I think about that for us. Don't you want a little taste of the glory? See what it tastes like. All these lesser areas of glory, we all want a little taste of the glory. And here's the thing, it's at stake. 
Glory is at stake in this whole thing. And, you know, it, it's a world that we live in where it's, it's, it's about me. It's about my glory. We live in a look at me kind of a culture. All you have to do is scroll through your social media feed for just a minute and you can see that the whole world wants some glory. Just a little taste of glory. We, we put everything out there that's always the best and we, success is what we measure things by. We want some glory for ourselves. It's all over the place. I, I, I think about um, how we just strive for it. We start looking for it with all our hearts and we look for that glory. Do you know in Proverbs it says this, Proverbs 25 says, it's not glorious to seek one's own glory. But that's what the whole world tells us to do. Go get your own glory. Build up your kingdom. Make something of yourself and bring glory to yourself somehow, some way. And the truth is, my friends, it does taste good. It is nice to have some glory for a moment or two. But you know what happens to the glory? It fades. It fades away. And so what we try to do is we, we come back to it and we say, okay, you know what I need? I need a little bit more. If I could do it again or if I could have more of this or more of that, then it will fill this hole in my heart that I'm seeking after. This glory that I wanna somehow feel. Tom Brady, greatest quarterback maybe of all time, they say. Seven Super Bowls. There's a quote of him being asked by a reporter about his Super Bowl rings. They said, Tom, what's your favorite Super Bowl ring? You know what he said? The next one. The next one. It's so true though, isn't it? Here's a guy who got a lot of glory, <laughs> a lot of fame, a lot of the things that we would look at and say, you have everything. But there's always this next one that I want to have. Because in a hole in our hearts, we try so desperately to fill with every kind of glory that leaves us wanting. But listen, my friends, the good news, this is the good news, is that we have a God who loves us and says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you a way to have you to be filled and filled to the full. And that's by placing your trust in Jesus's finished work on the cross and in his resurrection, who, by the way, listen to this, laid aside all of his glory and humbled himself and became a servant, died on the cross for our sins, rose again, and so that we could really and truly look at him and say, now that, that's glory. That's what it's about. All these other things fade away when we see the true radiance and glory God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we get this in verse 18. You remember back in chapter three, we just read this. It says that we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. Or maybe your version says from glory to glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. You see that? We get this transformation that can happen in our lives, my friends that God could transform us and so that we could go from glory to glory. And it's not our own, it's God's glory. So let's look at the text one more time, verse seven, we're gonna finish up. He says this, but we had this treasure. 
We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive, that's us, are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Did you see it? The glory of God is revealed to the world by the church on mission. It's revealed to the world. Did you see what it says? If you're in Christ, my friends, you have a treasure inside of you. We have this treasure in us. We're the jars of clay. Do you know what the jars of clay were? They were expendable. They were these, I mean, it's a jar of clay. It's not anything special. Like a jar in that clay, a jar of clay in that day wasn't like, hey, let's put this up on the shelf so everyone who comes in could see this jar of clay. Everyone had jars of clay. There were a bunch of them, you know? And when one would crack or get a little bit messed up, you know what they would do? They would take that jar of clay and they'd throw it over here in the pile of all the other pottery and just break it to pieces. If you go to Israel and like any of the digs and things like that, the most common thing you're gonna find is what? Jars of clay that have been broken. <laughs> they were everywhere, expendable, but that's you and me. See, the jar of clay had no glory. It wasn't glorious on it in its own self. The jar of clay was, had a treasure inside of it. It was the glory of God in the gospel. And that's who we are. It's sole deo gloria. God alone gets the glory. We had this glorious gospel that has brought us from death to life, church. And if we're gonna be a church on mission, we gotta know we got a treasure inside of us. And we gotta go share the good news of Jesus, that the glory of God is here. The angels are calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. But that's not the case. The whole earth is not filled with God's glory because we're broken. So what we get to do, church, on mission is to get to go share the glory of God so that the whole earth is filled with it. Because one day, listen, my friends, the mission's gonna be over. And what we will get to do, the believers in the room, we will get to bask in the glory of God for all of eternity in the new heaven and the new earth. His radiance will be all that we need. And it will be over. But there's still work to be done today. And so in closing, I have two questions for us. Number one is this. Have you trusted in Jesus to let him transform your life from glory to glory? Or are you still trying to do it your own way? See, today salvation is offered. The Lord says, come, taste and see that I am good. Receive salvation today. I just believe in a room this size, there's people today, God is working in your heart and you know, man, I have been running and I know I've seen it. I've seen God today. He's speaking to my heart. That's the first question. Second question is this. Have you exchanged the glory of God for something so much smaller? Maybe you're a believer in the room and you, you know, like, man, I know 
I've been just searching for the glory of myself. This, this verse, I want to read this verse out of Romans 1. It hit me so hard when the Lord brought it to my mind as I was preparing. It says this, Romans 1, verse 22. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave him thanks, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged, listen to this, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for fill in the blank. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for, for it says here, images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Those were the idols of their day. But what about for you and me? Have we exchanged the glory of the immortal God for something so much smaller? And so I wanna pray for us and, and just ask that today, maybe it's, you're sitting there and I'm like, man, I have, and God has revealed that to me today. We get a chance to repent and ask for forgiveness and come before the Lord in a new way and say, God, help me to live for you, for your glory alone, that your light would shine in my heart and I would have this treasure in me to shine to other people. We get a chance to repent today. For some of you, maybe today you would say, I know I need to trust Jesus today. And I pray you would respond to him. I'm gonna pray for us. And would you just pray with me right now? Ask God to work in our hearts and our lives and that we would be obedient in this moment. Father, we come to you thankful, Lord, that you don't leave us in our sin in our selfishness, and our own glories. You don't leave us there, God, but you give us an opportunity to respond and, and to say yes and trust you. And so, Father, I pray for my friends in this room and myself, Lord, that we would respond in obedience in this moment, Lord. That we would lay down our own glory, Lord, and we would be reminded that you are the king of glory. That we would live all of our days for you, Lord. Help us to repent and to walk anew. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.